Hello there. Presented by the Atlas Strength Shop. This is the Atlas Nerds in Iron podcast. Today, me and Coach Matt talk about bullshit in the strength and conditioning community, as well as the fact that I am finally caught up on Stranger Things. Do me a favor and please subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out a lot. After a quick word of our sponsors, hope you enjoy the show. First and foremost, we have StrikeForceEnergy.com. Strikeforce Energy is a veteran-owned energy supplement company. They come in these little pouches similar to Crystal Light pouches that you can put in whatever you are drinking to give yourself a nice little hit of caffeine. I personally love taking these in the afternoon right before I train because I'm not a big fan of beta alanine and they give me just enough energy to get through my workout without leaving me with a big crash afterwards. They come in four awesome flavors, original, which tastes a lot like Red Bull, grape, orange, and lemon. Use promo code ATLASSTRENGTH at checkout and you're going to save 20% on your next order. Next up, we have ImpactMouthGuards.com. Use promo code ATLASSTRENGTH at checkout at ImpactMouthGuards.com and you're going to get you a dentist office quality product without the dentist office quality price. What they're going to do is they're going to send you a custom mold. You're going to bite down on it, send it back to them, and in a couple of weeks, you're going to have a mouth guard that fits you and only you, give you something really good to bite down on during those max effort events. They also have awesome athletic tapes, some really cool apparel, and a lot of other products as well. So again, use promo code ATLASSTRENGTH at checkout. Save 10% at impactmouthguards.com. Next up, we have our newest sponsor, Sticks and Stone. Sticks and Stone got their start during the pandemic whenever iron plates were going for $3, $4 a pound. And what they do is they make molds that will allow you to make weight plates out of concrete that will fit your Olympic-sized barbell. We actually discovered them on TikTok because they are now making custom Husafel stones that come in 210, 310, and 409 weights. And we just got a full set of them for Louisiana's Strongest Man next year. They're also going to be here at the third annual Rougarou Classic, November 19th. So go ahead and place an order that will bring it down and you can get you a custom set of stones as well. And last but not least, we have the Atlas Strength Shop. That is us. That is who we are. We are the center for strength sports in the state of Louisiana with everything from strongman to powerlifting to general strength and conditioning. If you're in the Baton Rouge area, definitely come and see us. The best time to visit us is on Strongman Saturdays every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. If you're not in the Baton Rouge area and you still want to support us, then the best thing for you to do is to go to the website at atlasstrengthshop.com and check out our apparel line. If you use promo code ATLASNERDS10 at checkout, you're going to save 10% on that apparel line. Now let's get to the show. Good evening and welcome to the Atlas Nerds and Iron Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Ray, and this is our beautiful co-host, Mr. Matthew Cavalier. How are you doing today, Matt? Doing great, Cameron. How are you? I am not too bad. Just got done with some training. It is really cold in the air conditioning part of the gym right now to me. No, nah, I'm sure you like it, though. No. No? No, I'm cold. a little too cold right too now. Cold. I'm actually uh, starting to shiver a little bit. And you're drinking ice water. Uh, Ice water with caffeine in it. Get your facts straight. Oh, that'll, that'll, that'll get you perked up. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Caffeine has a little bit of a thermogenic quality. That doesn't mean it helps burn fat. That's not a thing. Fat burners are, uh, are a lie. That reminds me of the time that I drank one of those rain thermogenics uh-huh. walking into church. That wasn't a good idea. Why not? Because I was sweating through my suit. I mean, that was probably because you knew it was coming. What? You know, you get you're in church, and you started like sweating. <laughs> no. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> Sorry. Ugh. Right over my head there. It's okay. A lot of things go over your head. You're five eight, but uh, <laughs> wow. shots fired. So how you been this week, dude? 
I'm all right, man. I'm all right. How are you? I am not too bad. It's been busy, um, yeah, yeah. but it can always be busier. Yeah, could be. Yep. So that being said, if you know anybody who wants to join Atlas, send them our way, please, because we yeah. definitely want this community to grow. Uh, so what are we talking about today, Matt? All right. So the first topic we have on the board for today is don't train like your favorite pro athlete that you might see posting stuff on social media. Okay. Um, and what made you uh, what made you decide that we were going to talk about that today? Uh, I thought it was relevant because I, I, occasionally I see things on social media, TikTok, Instagram, all that fun stuff. Um, these guys, uh, for me personally, it's a lot of football players because mm-hmm. I like football. So, uh, but these guys would do these really weird workouts um, or exercises, and you'll see in the comments, "Man, I should do that. That'll take me to the next level, and I'll be just like whoever it is that I'm looking at." And uh, that's just not quite true. The one that always comes to mind for me whenever I think about this is that famous LeBron James squat video. Oh, that that two-plate quarter squat? Yeah, where he literally goes down about six inches and comes back up. Mm -hmm. You got so many lay people that think that that's a squat that's necessary for him. It's going to carry over a lot to his athletic performance. Right. But really, it's, it's just lazy programming. Yep, pretty much. And a lot of it is also when you got somebody like LeBron James, one, everything that you do is going to work for them because they're LeBron James. And uh, if you make it to that level in whatever sport you're in, you're a genetic anomaly. Exactly. But also, try making $100,000 a year and telling somebody that makes $6 million a year what to do. It's not going to work out that way. No. Uh, a lot of times what... Uh, a lot of times what these strength coaches are doing are just kind of um, getting them to do something. Right. And somebody doesn't want to squat, they're not going to squat. And like you said, um, these guys that you see at the highest levels in their respective sports, these are genetic freaks. Mm-hmm. These uh, these guys are far from normal. And because of that, they will respond to pretty much anything you throw at them. Mm-hmm. You can have them do nothing but body weight, and they'll still be a genetic freak. That's just how they are. Yep. Uh, so I think when a lot of these, especially younger kids who don't really know any better, they see these athletes do like, oh, I'm going to do this balancing act on this boosty ball while this guy tosses a tennis ball at me for an hour and a half. It's like, that is not what you need to be doing. You need to be practicing basic movements and mastering them. The more that you spend time basing, mastering just basic movements, which is pull, squat, press, you're going to be a much better athlete because of it. Mm-hmm. Um You need to think about what it's going to carry over to your sport. And as a young athlete who is, despite maybe even if you are someone who is a good athletic kid, you don't need to go crazy with it. Keep it simple. Definitely. Master the basics and you will get exponentially better. And then one day, you might be able to do some of the more interesting things. But even the more interesting things are just variations of what's pretty basic. Yes. (laughs) I always think about what what Jim Wendler says Mm -hmm. about you get strong in the weight room. And you scrimmage on the field. Right. Yeah. There's no need to get hyper-specific with the way that you strength train in a weight room. Right. When the squat, bench, deadlift, and overhead press have worked for hundreds of years. Right. And um, so for for these, these, what these athletes need to understand is that your goal is to be good at your sport. Uh, How much you can squat or how much you can deadlift really ultimately doesn't matter. No. Um, So whenever you work out, you need to keep in mind that you are doing this to make you better at a job. If there's a point that what you're doing is take away from your performance, then you need to think about what you're doing. And for a lot of people, that mindset is kind of what leads them in the direction of don't squat too deep. Um, 
make thing make give everything that you're doing a balanced component because I think it's going to carry over to the field. Right. But that's not always the case. Like a Bosu ball squad is really only going to come in handy if you're um I don't know, if you're paddle boarding or something and right. you need that lack of balance or well, I'm sorry, lack of stability. But like on a football field or a basketball court or a baseball field, like you're gonna have whenever you exert force you're going to have both feet planted on the ground and you need to be able to exert force from that position. And this whole, um, I'm just going to do a quarter squat thing because it's, it's, it carries over to how they'd be performing on the field. It's like, no, you need to be able to train the beyond that range of motion. I would much rather, and I've said this the other day, I would much rather have an athlete take a dumbbell and do gobble squats, full range of motion, than whatever, you know, wave bar, quarter squat bullshit to try to throw at you. Well, let's look at what, like, Joel Seidman. Let's pick on him a little bit. Okay. He released this paper, and he does all these videos saying that you don't need to squat any lower than 90 degrees. There's a couple problems, though. The biggest one is where he is measuring that 90 degrees. He is measuring at the hamstring rather than the the quad. Right. So whenever the bottom, whenever the, whenever your glute is 90 degrees from your knee joint, Mm-hmm. That's where he's calling ninety degrees rather than the hip crease being ninety degrees from the hip uh, from the knee joint. Right. So, I I can see from a logical perspective why people would think squatting to, squatting to that depth is going to carry over to athletic movements because a lot of things are explosive they're on your toes. You're you're not getting into a deep squat when you're on a football field on a basketball court, but the moment you get put in a position where you have to, mm-hmm. where, where, like, let's say you have to take a fall right, or something like that. If all you have trained is that lower than 90 degree angle, mm-hmm. and that's the only part of your movement that's strong, you're not going to be durable in the rest of it. Right. And you're far more likely to get injured that way. And you, you've seen, you've seen, you've seen games, you've seen football games, basketball games. They're chaotic. They are. They they're they're chaotic. You have a a bunch of men and women on a finite amount of space with one objective, and it's chaotic. Even though they call plays and they practice and all this shit, it's chaotic. So you need to prepare these guys for the chaos, and that includes a full range motion squat. Just because we're using that example, because sometimes when you're a 165 pound defensive back. And that running back that is 230 pounds is running at you full speed. You're going to want to hit him low. So mm-hmm. you better make sure you can exert some force from that low position. Yep. I've literally seen some of these strength coaches. I, I was just scrolling some of their pages uh, mm-hmm. the other day. One of them was like, try this bicep variation. He was standing on a BOSU ball with chains around his neck on one leg curling dumbbells what is that supposed to do i have no idea but that has no carry over to anything so you have great balance while you're doing curls awesome so we all kind of know what it is about these strength coaches mm-hmm. the squat bench deadlift and overhead press they're very simple they're not sexy right the work is boring right which means to somebody who owns a team mm-hmm there's nothing to differentiate you from everybody else. Right. So every strength coach that comes to these high-end programs, they have to pretend like they just reinvented the wheel. 
Right. And they have all the secrets. Because if they have the secrets and they're doing something that the opponent's not doing, then they're going to have a leg up on the field. But that's just not the case. And uh, for for somebody who wants to challenge us on that point, I've seen what high-level strength and conditioning looks like. Uh, And I've seen it close and personal for six years. I know what it looks like. Tell us a little bit more about that. Um, So I've said this before. I was an equipment manager with LSU Mm -hmm. throughout my years of college. And uh, I saw Tommy Moffitt and his staff run a very successful strength and conditioning program at LSU with high-level athletes. They were pulling in some of the best athletes in the country. You know, guys like Leonard Fournette, Odell Beckham, guys like that. Um, They didn't do anything crazy. They did squats, they did deadlift, they did cleans, they did bench press, overhead press, rows. They pushed a prowler, they flipped a tire, they had a, I think they had a sandbag at one point. These are all very basic strength things. Um, but what made, what made them exceptional and what makes any strength conditioning program exceptional is, is look past the programming. Because the programming part is easy. It's the culture and the environment that these guys were in. They were in an environment and a culture that promoted competition, that promoted pushing yourself hard, that promoted discipline, you know, doing the thing that you have to do and do day in and day out to make yourself good at your sport. Mm-hmm. So that's what makes these strength, the good ones, that's what makes them special. The programming part is easy. It's how you get the kids to buy into it that makes you exceptional. Definitely. And the fact is that, like I- anyone with a basic knowledge of strength and conditioning can go in and make a successful program for strength and conditioning or for a the for pro- a sports team. The programming part is easy, but the, the it, hard part is being a leader of a bunch of young guys. Yes. The teaching aspect yep. is what's tough. Yep. And that's where a lot of people fall short, so they have to make up with it with flash and bang. So if you're a uh, if you're a young strength and conditioning coach, um, especially at a high school level or a, or, a, um, uh, or a college that doesn't have a lot of resources in its hands, I think the most important thing that you need to think about when training these kids is, is two things. Is you need to think about is what you're doing going to make them better on the field? If the answer is no, then you probably shouldn't do it. And then the second question, and probably just as importantly, is you need to make sure that what you are doing enhances their performance capability on the field without being something that they can't recover from. Because if you start taking away from their ability to compete, then you're doing them a disservice. Because they're there to be good athletes, not good weightlifters. Let's face it, though. A lot of the high school strength and conditioning coaches Mm -hmm. are just the biggest social studies teacher. True. That does happen a lot. Like, all... All the schools, like especially public schools, don't have a big budget for that sort of thing. Yep, they find they find the the coach that used to play college ball or something like that. I'm like, all right, you're running the you're running the weight room pro- you're running the weight room program. If that's you and you really don't know what you're doing and you're honest with yourself that you don't know what you're doing, just buy a copy of Jim Windler's football. Yep, and just run that. Yep, Jim Windler's five three one for for football. Run that, and you you will do your athletes the biggest service you can. Can't go wrong. Like um. For those of y'all who don't know who Jim Windler is, he was the author of 531. Used to to actually uh, train at Westside. Split off from Westside, started 531 because he didn't think conjugate was the truth, light, and the way for, you know, most non-quipped lifters. Right. And now he coaches a high school football program for free. Yep. He literally walks there, does whatever he wants to with the kids, 
walks home. That's and, that's his day. And the best part about this is it's all very simple, mm-hmm. basic movements, and the results speak for themselves because they beat the shit out of their opponents. And he basically treats these kids like a laboratory. Pretty much. So <laughs> he has ideas. He runs them through it for a season. And it either works, which it usually works because he's Jim fucking Wendler, <laughs> or it doesn't. And then he writes it down, he sells the book, and he makes another million. I was, I was listening to one of, since, since you brought him up, listen to, he had a he gave, he had a conference where he had coaches and people would listen to him talk. And he said that um, these kids are, when it comes to athletic talent, they're really nothing, you know, very few of them are actually the kind of guys who are going to be big D1 athletes or anything like that. He said, but they would occasionally go against schools that did have those D1 athletes. He said, but because of the culture they built in the gym and the level of competitiveness, and their willing their willingness to be violent, <laughs> they put some of these high level athletes ass in the ground, play after play after play. Because, like I said, it's, it's about the culture, it's about the environment. If you foster an environment, a culture, a culture of winning and competing, and just being your best, you're gonna you're gonna stand a chance against anybody. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't just go for for high school teams, collegiate teams. It also goes for gyms as well. Yeah. Like, if you are a powerlifter or a strongman competitor or a weightlifter and you're working out in an anytime fitness, a snap fitness, a crunch fitness, the people who are working out in these private gyms around people who also want the same things as you, they're going to have a leg up on you in competition. Yep, they will. Just because they're constantly surrounded by a group of guys that are going to push them and keep them honest. Yep. So, if that's you, if you're listening to this... Break your contract. Go find a private gym somewhere. Come here. We'll have you. If you're local, we'd love to have you if you're local. If you're not local, hit me up. I can point you to someone who is. Sounds good. We'll help you find a new home. Yep. So you have anything you want to add to that? Uh, No, I think that pretty much covers those topics. Okay. Wow, we are only 15 minutes into this. I definitely expected for us to ramble about that a little bit longer. But, yeah, it doesn't really take long to get the point across for that. So I finally finished Stranger Things. Finally. <laughs> I did not like the ending. Really? Um, spoilers, if you haven't seen it, I think I'm the last person on Earth who did see it. So <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not really that worried about it. It took me forever to actually sit down and watch Stranger Things. For once, Matt has actually beat me to the punch on a series. Doesn't happen often. No, it doesn't. Um, so my big problem with it, it, I could tell what they were going for. They were kind of going for an end game kind of a feel. Not an end game, an Infinity War kind of a feel to it. Mm-hmm. Where... It's the end of the it's the end of the uh, season. The finale's over, but they lost. Right. Now what? Right. The problem I had at the end of Infinity War, everyone looked so defeated. Mm-hmm. There was no closure. It was just now what? Right. There was a little too much closure going on for my liking at the season finale of Stranger Things. It's like I don't think it was closure. I mean, the, obviously, it's still wide open. <laughs> yes, that that's my problem. But everything can get ripped wide open, but all the kids have parted ways. They're all mm-hmm. hanging out with their parents. They're packing up to move. They're, you know, hanging out at the shelters. They're they're hugging. They're figuring out what the hell's going on. They were just like, eh, okay, we got our asses whipped, and they all went about their own ways and started doing their own things for a few days. Well, I'm not sure what else they were supposed to do. I'm I'm not either, <laughs> but it, it doesn't seem to fit the characters that have been developed. 
Well, they probably haven't figured that out yet. They probably want to go home and be like, all right, so what, like, what the shit? Like, what do we do now? Like, there's a big tear in the fabric of reality. Like, I, it felt like, oh, so anyways. <laughs> no, look, look, let me tell you, if there's a big gaping hole in my hometown, I'm at least going to go home to make sure my parents are alive. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair. I mean, I'm probably moving. <laughs> like, I'm just not going to live in Hawkins anymore. I'm going gonna, gonna to uh, pull a Joyce and get the fuck out. Yeah, I think the property value has gone down a little bit in that town. Yeah, just a little bit. Not that her house is all that worth much anyway. Shit, now they can't sell them. Yeah. Void the mortgage. We're out of here. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad everybody's back in one spot. Do so you like Hopper to... more now? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> He's still kind of a turd. <laughs> but he, he was put in a weird situation all season. You know, he was... Uh, yeah, you know, he was a political prisoner for a while, and then he was going to be food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and he. So, what bugs me about him this season is he had no business putting Joyce in danger. Putting oh, because he got her to come. Yeah, that's kind of a dick move. Figure it out, Hopper. True, but who else are you going to go to? He has nobody else. Like that's it. Like Joyce is probably the only person that he really has contact with, or trust enough. So with uh, forty thousand dollars, I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> it seemed like he did an okay job figuring out how to escape on his own, uh-huh. and he still had the government's phone number. That is true. That is true. Could have escaped, gotten to a phone, and called the U.S. government. Yes, I give you that. Also, another thing that I thought was really weird. <laughs> so, Dr. Brenner mm-hmm. and what's what's the other guy's name? Uh, the other doctor. Yeah, the I other forgot, doctor. I forgot his the, name. The one we like. Yeah. Uh, they had their own secret lab mm-hmm. with their own military personnel. Pretty much, yeah. Who did they work for? Were they Army? Um, they all had helmets that said MPs on them. I don't. They were just part of whatever whatever resources they had. Yeah, like MP stands for military police. Right. Yeah. So when the army showed up, was it U.S. Army shooting U.S. Army? Probably. Little little friendly fire there doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense to me. Like they never they never said they just said factions of the government are coming for eleven, but they never explained who they were. Like were they also factions of the government? Oh, I think they all were. Cause, cause the the whole project the whole Project with Eleven that was all like CIA clandestine mm-hmm. shit. So it sounds like the hands should have talked to the foot a little more on that one. Kind of figured out what was going on. You know, like your people call my people and we'll figure out. Hey, Eleven's not the one doing this. I fucked up and I made a monster. But then, but we wouldn't have that cool like Star Wars entrance scene that they had. Nah, I thought that scene was cool. It was a cool scene. <laughs> But it was a lot cooler watching uh, Eleven take down a helicopter. That was pretty a pretty savage moment. Mm-hmm. Like I I was kind of expecting it, but wasn't expecting it. Like when it happened, it was like, oh wow, that just happened. She just pulled a helicopter out of the sky. Brenner should have died way sooner. Uh, like you saying that he shouldn't have been brought back? Nah, not necessarily shouldn't have been brought back. But the whole I'm getting out of here, and then all of a sudden he snuck up behind her with a uh, with a tranquilizer. Right, like I was actually hoping he she was gonna kill him right there. Mm-hmm. Like I thought she was gonna just rip him apart. Nah, I, I'm glad she didn't kill him. 
Because mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of like Batman killing the Joker. Well, Brenner dead anyway. Well, yeah, he's dead, <laughs> but, you know, she didn't kill him. She doesn't have his blood on his, on her hands. That's true. Because she, at this point, she's still, she's still a kid. She's killed too many things. True. Just settle down a little. I don't know. They, they all have little, little trauma. There's so much trauma in this show. <laughs> kids gonna that kid's going to need so much therapy. They're all, they all are. And what happened with her sister? Oh, the uh, the one from Chicago? Yeah. I was wondering about that. I don't know if she's going to make a comeback in this season. I assume she will. I mean, this is it. Yeah. I mean, it seems like she's going to need some help closing this gate. Yeah. Like, I've also heard some pretty cool fan theories. Oh, yeah? Like what? Um, so, Will is going to be Vecna. Uh, so, hear me out. That. Remember at the end of the show where Will said I could still feel him, mm-hmm. but he's really, really hurt. Yeah. Well, some, some I heard this is all through TikTok or whatever. Someone had said that Vecna's gonna need a new body, mm-hmm. and we're gonna repossess Will and take him. I and mean, that makes Will's sense. Will's gonna have to make like some big whatever to. I mean, that makes sense because Will is about to turn dark anyway, mm-hmm. because he's in love with Mike and can't bring himself to say so. <laughs> Like, I felt so bad for Will all during the fourth season. Right. You know, like, he, he's sitting there obviously in love with Mike, mm-hmm. but being like, Mike, you need to tell Eleven how you feel. While Meanwhile, turning to the camera and crying. Well, because he know he has no chance for Mike. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, I feel bad for yeah, Will. Yeah, it still it sucks. It does suck. <laughs> but I hope they kind of don't keep going on into that. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure how much that would add to the story. Well, that's one of the reasons why I feel like... Uh, like you might be onto something with the uh, kind of like um like Vegeta giving away control of his body to Bobbity because he had that darkness within him. You think? Yeah. Like these like these these negative emotions that Will is feeling is going to leave room for Vecna to take him over. I also saw a theory where Eddie is going where uh Eddie is going to end up being resurrected but on the side of Vecna. I don't see that happening. Or and the reason why they said because they said that that can make you see things in, in the upside down. Mm-hmm. So that what the theory is is that um, what's his name Eddie's friend, Dustin. Dustin, thank you. Dustin didn't really see Eddie. It was an image of Eddie that Vecna wanted him to see, but he actually has Eddie, and he's going to corrupt them. I don't see that him. happening. But I think, I think Eddie is too loved of a character. True. For them to do that to him. But there's another theory about a resurrection of Eddie that I really like that would be cool. And it's that it has something to do with the lore of Dungeons & Dragons. And that the Vecna in Dungeons & Dragons gets challenged by a master of something. I forgot all the details. But basically, Eddie's going to be resurrected to reflect a character from Dungeons & Dragons that's going to be the one to fight Vecna. Okay. You know what I was wish I kept waiting for what and didn't happen and I'm really bummed about that. What's that? And they had the perfect opportunity to do it when when Max is like I'm just going to run somewhere better mm-hmm. where she's just going to like run to happier memories you know because it's her mind she can control where she where the hell she goes in it right. I kept waiting for a scene where like the best parts of Billy come through her psyche and start beating the shit out of Vecna. Oh, that, that would have been cool. Like that, like, and they had the perfect opening. Like when she, when he's trying to bust out of the sauna uh-huh. memory, 
if she just would have opened the door. That would have been a really cool scene. And like, like accepted how she felt about Billy opening the door. And now it's like a good Billy and just beating the fuck out of Vecna. Yeah. Just like, just, just give him that two piece and a biscuit for three minutes. (laughs) That would have been, that actually would have been really, really cool. Yeah. And it would have been a nice capstone to Billy's story. Right. Like Like, Billy gets to kind of redeem himself mm -hmm. at least through the audience's eyes. Yep. But, uh, Man, so how did, were you freaking out like everybody else when you saw Maxine get lifted up and her limbs snap? I was not expecting Max to die or <laughs> any of that to happen to Max. That was really that was like a real oh shit moment. Yep. Like you thought like she was gonna make it out, mm-hmm. and like you see her getting lifted and then her leg snapped and it's like yep. oh no, and now she's brain dead. Yep. So like, there's nothing there. It's just a live body. I think. Vecna has her. I think she. They, they're gonna, probably. You know, they're gonna find out that Vecna has her soul, and because mm-hmm. he needs their souls to open the portal, so mm-hmm. she's alive, but she's just not there. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see how that works out. Well, I'm glad you like the show. Oh, it's definitely a good show. Mm, I enjoy this. My parents are all caught up on it too. Nice. Yeah, love it. <laughs> so the next thing that I'm watching, I am rewatching Dragon Ball again. For like the thirty seventh time. Yes, um, I have uh, have my girlfriend watching it. She likes it so far. She think because we're starting an old school Dragon Ball. Oh, yeah. like when Goku's a little kid, and she thinks it's cute. <laughs> so she's gonna get sucked in, you know, get attached to the characters, and then when it starts getting dark, my goal is to actually buy the ocean dub on blu-ray prior to us getting to the saiyan saga why ocean dub so you have you have it you can get it on funimation Mm. and stream it do you remember so you watched you watched it on funimation when you rewatched it right yeah do you remember how the music wasn't quite what you remembered it was during dragon ball or dragon ball z like i remember it yeah, kind of, yeah. Like, you remember how the music was way cooler when we were kids? Yeah, Bruce Falconer was the... Uh, yeah, Bruce Falconer? Yeah. Or um, the Ocean Dub has that score. Oh, okay. So I want to own that because I can't stream it anywhere. Right. Yeah, but it's like 160 bucks to buy it on Blu-ray. Really? Well, it's like seven seasons. It's not that bad. Okay, that's true. You know, that's it's true. like 100 or 268 episodes, I think. So less than a dollar an episode. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's not bad when you at put all. It, when you put it that way, that makes sense. Yeah, it's like a bajillion hours of content <laughs> plus the the Bruce Falconer score. My one, the one downside is it's recut for widescreen TV. Mm-hmm. They didn't make they didn't make like extra panel. Right. They you know cut a little bit off so it would fit a widescreen. Mm. I don't like that they did that. Right. Like there's there's nothing wrong with making it a full screen and just having a little bit of black on the edge of the TV. Yeah, sure. But but yeah, those are my impressions of of uh Stranger Things. I really like the show. This it's is a great show. I just there's some things I just really didn't like about it. This is one of the first shows in a long time where I'm like legitimately like ex- like really just looking forward to come back. Also, another thing that wasn't clear. Okay. When, when Henry was walking through the wasteland that was the Upside Down. Henry? It, one, Henry, Vecna, it's all the same guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
when he was at this point he hadn't been named Vecna by the cast, so I'm just calling right. him Henry. Uh, when he's walking through that wasteland, and he like he sees the Demogorgon, he sees the he sees like the smoke, mm. and he gives it shape. One thing I didn't notice was I didn't notice any of the buildings for Hawkins. I didn't notice any trees. So was everything in that place created through his mind? I'm gonna say yeah. Like was it just an empty wasteland like Mars before that? Probably. I'm mean, I'm just gonna. I'm also going to say he's had all these years to kind of observe from that side mm-hmm. and recreate things in his image, in that in their image. And I and I say that because remember when Nancy and if they all went to her house. To I was her just thinking that to get the guns. Yeah, but then she realized they're not there because it time stopped there the day that Will went missing in the first season which would also be the day that Vecna tried to start punching into the other world. So my question is, did time stop there? Or whenever whenever Eleven punched through, I think, I think... Was everything created when Eleven punched through? Maybe. I mean, yeah, so that's definitely a, a point. I don't know. I'm out of energy water. No, I am sad. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good question, though. Maybe they'll answer these in season five. Maybe. Yeah. That, that hat turned out really good. It did. I got some compliments on it at work. So for those of y'all who uh, who are listening right now, not watching us live on TikTok, we had some uh, some hats made with the Atlas uh, with Atlas on them. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at the first one that was ever made right now. And it looks it looks incredible. First edition. Yep. Definitely about that life. I really wish that I could um I do like the big straw hats for Alabama. Mm-hmm. And I really wish I could have gotten one of those made. But Well you could still do my idea, put get the straw hat, get a bandana. It's too late for that. Wrap it around. Yeah, we leave we leave in two weeks. Just find like yeah. a local embroidery shop. I need you to do this like right now. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Might be a good idea. So anything else you want to talk about today? Uh, not off the top of my head. Well, man, we're sitting at thirty-one minutes and uh, yeah, thirty-one minutes and forty-five seconds. You want to just go ahead and take this one in for a landing early? Um, sure, I'm good with that. All right. Well, until next time, we'll see you. See you. Just a quick recap of the sponsors. We have StrikeForceEnergy.com. Use promo code AtlasStrength at checkout. Save twenty percent on your next order of caffeine. Next up, we have. Impact mouth guards. Use promo code Atlas Strength at checkout. Save 10% on your custom mouth guard. Next, we have Sticks and Stone. Go follow them on all social media. They have a really awesome YouTube channel. And finally, there is the Atlas Strength Shop. That is us. Follow us at the Atlas Strength Shop at all platforms. We just recently started putting a lot of things on YouTube, including this show, if you want to see a video version of this show. Last but not least, don't forget to like and subscribe and share us with all of your friends. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. See you all next time.